Welcome. We are Believe, a Ted Lasso podcast. I'm Julian. This is... I'm Tom. Hi, everybody. And we are Team Binge. Thank you for joining us for Season 1, Episode 7 of Ted Lasso. Still going strong. This episode is called... Make Rebecca Great Again, which I could have done without that title. Uh, Well, I thought the title was fine. (laughs) And I will say over time, it probably won't age well. Like I feel like it's going to be something that is just lost to time. (laughs) Nothing important was tied to that phrase that's going to go in the history books or anything like that. No, it kind of fit for what her arc of the episode. But yeah, could have gone without it. Right. I guess it was relevant to the time since we're listening to it, (laughs) or at least watching the the season. A year or so later. Anyways, it's uh, episode seven. This one revolves around a big, big moment for Nate the Great. My man. So Nate's uh, pregame speech, uh, his relationship with the team, Ted going through some personal stuff. Mm. It's the away game episode, essentially. Everything else has been home games from what we've seen. This one's an away game. And then we get to find out about Rebecca and who she was prior to being married to Rupert. And and so interesting episode. Uh, This one written by, it looked like committee based on my research. So a guy named Joe Kelly, who's also a producer on the show, Brendan Hunt and Jason Sudeikis. And so let us dive into it, Tom. Let's jump. Opens up, like I mentioned, an away game. So they're loading the big Greyhound bus, (laughs) which I wonder, do they call them Greyhound buses out there? I think it was a Greyhound. I think they had Well, it's a Greyhound because their team is the oh, Greyhounds. Touche. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Tom. <laughs> Didn't even think of it. The symbolism. Oh, that's what I'm here for, buddy. I missed it. All right. So Nate's uh, <laughs> helping load the bus. They're putting all the stuff underneath. And funny little sight gag is Nate gets caught uh, underneath. Yeah. Because I love it. He has a very specific way of packing it. And sure. he goes with the guy. He's like, no, 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 Trevor. This is not how you pack it. You got to do this, this. And then slowly, like, you know what was going to happen. Like, the lights sure. just turn out. And then Nate's just like, oh, no. <laughs> so now that you, we've talked about it, you have kids, you're a father. Mm-hmm. Packing the car. Oh, has man. this become your your chore? Is this something? I feel like it's something we all inherit. No one teaches us. Nope. It's just something that all of a sudden we have opinions on which suitcases need to go where and in what direction. It's Tetris. It's like from playing Tetris when you were a kid. Is that what it is? It's adult Tetris. It's trying to figure out how to maneuver the stroller against the other bags that are in there. Don't want to squish other things. So, yeah. Every time I'm throwing luggage into the back of the car, I think about watching my dad throw luggage into the back of the car and how that tradition is just pressed down. (laughs) Anyways, so Nate gets stuck in the bottom. Uh, Then we roll to... Uh, Ted Lasso talking with his son Henry over video chat. Turns out they're playing Everton, which is a team based out of out of Liverpool. And I actually did not know this. Oh, really? Yeah, I just I, I guess I assume as an American um, digesting all of English soccer that every team is just whatever city they're playing okay. from. Chelsea, okay. Liverpool, Manchester City, United. So when they said Everton is just a, a city outside of Liverpool, I'm like. Well, that makes more sense when I've watched Liverpool play Everton. They call that, you know, the uh, Derby. So it's okay. a, Darby, it's a Liverpool you... Derby match. A Derby is a rivalry game. Yeah, rivalry games generally taking place around the same general area. Got it. Who is famous from Liverpool, Tom? Uh, the Beatles. The Beatles. Very, very nice. And Tom, you have deep knowledge of the Beatles. Mm-hmm. 
you grew up on the Beatles. Would you like to share your thoughts on the Beatles? I did. I, I am a, a big Beatles fan. My dad grew up. He literally uh, has all the albums. He converted one of my brother's rooms into a Beatles room now. Mm. So he's got all the album covers around around the uh, the room, all sorts of memorabilia. He was also in a Beatles band. Yep, I've seen uh, him before. Yeah. Your dad can play. Two different versions. He one can is, sing, I should say. He, he gets a singer. He's got a great Paul McCartney. One band, the Elementary Penguins, and then the follow-up band uh, was... Oh, no, he's going to hate me. Uh, it's okay. We'll send it out. People okay. can check that out on Spotify. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, <laughs> love the reference, and I love that uh, Henry is a, a Beatles fan as well. Yeah, I don't know many eight-year-olds that are <laughs> Beatles fans, but occasionally there's a kid that... Like, I didn't grow up on him, so yeah. um, I thought it was a little bit strange, but maybe you as an eight-year-old were probably a Beatles fan. I don't know how I know all the lyrics, like, seemingly Oh, every I've been Beatles in the song. car with you. You know the lyrics to every yeah. Beatles song. And they just seeped in from all the listening, I guess, when I was a uh, little one. All right, so maybe your dad has a little bit of Ted Lasso in him. <laughs> Henry makes some comment about, hey, say hi to George, Paul, John, and Ringo. Did I just name them all? You did. You know oh, them. man. I'm really good at really this. Really weird order to put George first, but come on. Uh, he's the most important one, right? <laughs> he wrote all the songs. He was the best drummer. Um, <laughs> and then they have some joke. Beard says, oh, you haven't told Henry that uh, two of them are dead. Wait, wait. Which two of them are dead? Julian. Uh, the two that are dead are not Paul. Paul McCartney is still alive. And I believe Ringo is still alive. So I know John Lennon is dead. Yes. That was in the end. George Harrison is dead. Very good. Man. And then, of course, last was like, they're what? <laughs> right, right. But then Beard says something like he says, it was Keith Richards. And he stands up. Did you understand that joke? Yeah, I think it's just Keith Richards is a Rolling Stone guy. No? Yes. Yeah. So I think just the joke is like, you know, either you're a Beatles fan, Rolling Stone fan. So like there was there was two huge bands around that area out of England. So I think the joke is that Keith Richards was like the one that killed them. Maybe. Oh. I think that's what he's going to say. Okay. Yeah. I, I've watched it four times. I still don't <laughs> understand that joke. I would love for Bill Lawrence to tweet at me and tell me what that <laughs> joke means. Henry and him stop talking, and who comes in but Michelle, my mm. favorite character from the show. <laughs> and all Michelle cares about is getting divorced. She wants her divorce papers. It is odd. Like, we talked about that episode of, it, like, Michelle pushing for this relationship to just end so quickly and yeah. get that backstory. Yeah. This is also weird to me. Okay. Like, the way she pushes so heavy-handed and, like, as we see later throughout the episode, the text messages sure. and a lawyer involved. Sure. It just happens so fast, and it's yeah. not... It doesn't doesn't uh, play well, I think, on the show. So you remember when we recorded and I was not on Team Michelle and you were pro-Team Michelle? Listen, I mean, is it starting to fall apart at this point? I'm not pro-Team Michelle. I think that... Uh, wait. I'm not pro-Team Michelle? Pro-Team. Pro-Team Michelle. Yes. Pro-Team Michelle. It's a shake. It's um, a shake. One of our sponsors. <laughs> yeah. Pro-Team Michelle. Uh, but no, I, I think it is just a it means to an end. They're trying to get past this storyline and... We kind of talked about last episode where Ted seemingly had that little moment where he took off his ring, put it in a little tin, and then walked away, and then seemingly didn't seem to care as much about sure. the relationship breaking. Sure. So I do kind of like how they gave us a little bit of breathing space to kind of uh, allow Ted to think about it. He tried to kind of move on by just making jokes, dealing with the last episode, uh, but now here he's truly having to, to uh, face it, you know, head forward. Sure, and we'll discuss how he faces it and how often Michelle texts him because she needs that sweet signature <laughs> so they can dissolve. What does they she can need disillusion. it for, though? Like, what oh, is she moving well, on to? I don't know. Oh. That's a great question. What is she moving on to? And why is she so yeah. uh, frantic about getting the paperwork so she can go meet uh, another Ted Lasso? 
Um, or <laughs> I don't know who she's meeting. Fred, so Fred Rope Man. Who? Fred Ropeman. Fred, oh, I see what you did there. No, 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 it's great. Wasn't it's my perfect. Best. Oh, man. Well, we're going to keep that. Uh, then we see Keely and Rebecca in her office. Keely's come in. She's excited for the girls' trip. Uh, she makes some jokes about uh, that Rebecca has invited, invited her in a romantic sense. The very crass, crude. Yeah. Yes, and, yeah. and she plays it up, and you can see Rebecca getting more and more uncomfortable. <laughs> Uh, but Keeley's only messing her with her. And then my man Higgins comes in like Tom Cruise from Top Gun, man. <laughs> he looks so good in those sunglasses. He's so excited to go on the private jet. Yeah. Uh, but then he is informed that he's not going. She says something like, you need to stay here and do work that doesn't matter. Yeah, which clearly kind of punishing him seemingly from the previous episode of him going behind her back or doing stuff for the right, team. Right, during the sacrificial burning ceremony. But, like, I don't know, man. If I'm Higgins, like, sweet, man. I've got, like, a I got a weekend. My boss is going to be out of town. I don't got much to do. I'm still collecting a paycheck. Yeah, like, he's going to hang out with his boys. He doesn't have to be abused by her. Yeah, so, yeah. They're worse things. Yeah, I agree with you. I did think it was revenge. During this conversation, Keely says, I'm going to go spend a penny before mm. leaving. Have you ever heard that term before? I had never heard of it. Did you look it up? I had to look it up. Okay. It means, hold on to your somethings, uh, it means go to the bathroom. Well, I knew it meant go to the bathroom, but do you know like the origin of it? No. So, do you have to pay for bathrooms? Apparently, yeah. Back in jolly old London town, you had to, and specifically women, had to pay to use the loo or use the, the restroom. We should bring that back. Not just for women, <laughs> for everyone. <laughs> everyone should have to pay. Yeah. Or we should go on the side of the road like humans. Um, <laughs> so then we're in the locker room. The team is down. Yeah. Except for our boy Danny Rojas, yeah. who cannot be down. Football's life. Football is life. Ted is asking Beard, he's like, hey, why is the team down? He makes some comment about what a Jay-Z and Beyonce breakup. The, and the gentle, like, like the, the hand on Ted's shoulder that give Beard, Beard gives Beard is gives just him. great. Yeah, yeah. He's like, no. He's like, no, don't yeah. ever think that. Uh, I'll go on record, I don't care, to gumptions about uh, Jay-Z or Beyonce. Yeah, that doesn't surprise. I was going to ask, do you have like a Hollywood it couple that you would feel sad if they departed ways uh, or really every couple if they're married any couple that depart ways apparently is uh, yeah no i think people should stay together until death <laughs> as the good book says they Do should they part. um you know i ride for um brangelina oh okay that's been over for a while <laughs> what <laughs> yeah you're saying i've got a chance then <laughs> yes i am with brad brad i'm coming for you <laughs> Brad, if you'd like to guest spot on our podcast. All right. So then uh, Team Captain, no one, everyone's down. Team yep. Captain Roy comes in so hot. He just starts screaming profanities about how they never win at Everton. They haven't won in a very long time. 60 years. 60 years. I don't know if you've caught it, but uh, Ted says something like, how long has it been? They're like 60 years. And Beard is like on the board and he's like, holy crap or he the, says the, something the like, way he turns around he's like he's like startled by it like scared right. he's like writing on the whiteboard because at first he thinks they're being dramatic yeah. he's like oh they never win there and then once he hears it's been 60 years he realizes it's a big deal <laughs> oh and, and ted brings out that they're also bummed out about o'brien's torn butt oh yes which was a great part 
He's a he hamstring coach. Saying, he kept saying torn butt and being like, you don't need to be ashamed. You have a torn butt. He asked Beard, Beard, you've torn your butt. How many times? Oh, yeah, three times. Three times. Three times. <laughs> Beard has torn his butt three times. So but I love it because it adds that levity to that room. And you can yeah. hear the room kind of slowly start to chuckle. A little right, bit. right, right. They all appreciate his uh, antics. Did you know who O'Brien was? Had you seen O'Brien and any of the other? No idea who the keepers were. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know who O'Brien was. I really wish they would have had Conan O'Brien do a guest spot as that <laughs> role. That would have been incredible. He's a lanky guy. He could probably play a good goalie. He could. So then we discover the replacement goalie is the gentleman, a player by the name of Zorro. Zorro. Yeah. Zorro. Uh, and Ted keeps pronouncing it as Zorro, the max, ma- masked Avenger. <laughs> oh, nice. Do you have a uh, affinity to the Zorro? Did you watch the the old Zorro movies when you were a kid? No, I feel like my Zorro was Antonio Banderas. Sure. Did you know there's two uh, Antonio Banderas Zorro movies? I think I did. Yeah, they did like The Return of Zorro or something. Okay. Well, you should share this knowledge with your good friend because I thought there was only one. I recently discovered there's a second one that they made in like 04 that I have not seen, but it's on the list. Yeah, I, I don't think we're missing it. much, but all right. No, 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 no. It's, right. I'm sure it's great. Then we have Ted exiting the facilities, going to the bus. He's talking to the two press guys. What is What do we notice about these press guys? He knows both of their... Both, knows both their names. And, of course, absent is Trent Krim of the Independent. Trent Krim, the Independent. He doesn't apparently want to know what they're doing before the Everton match. That's right. Uh, I thought it was interesting. One of the reporters... And this is kind of, you know, dialogue, kind of explaining where they're at. And it gives us distance from where we lost Jamie. Yeah. Because he says, hey, you've lost one, you've drawn one, and you haven't scored any goals since Jamie left. So that means we're two two games from when Jamie left, right? Well, would you, yeah, okay, so that's a good pickup. Would you say that makes you feel a little bit less about Michelle constantly wanting the divorce papers written if it actually has been maybe two or three weeks? No, no. That <laughs> okay. process, for one, should never happen. Two, should be dragged out and be, be painful, be a painful process. Okay. Um, they asked Ted if he's worried about uh, relegation. And mm-hmm. Ted reacts like he doesn't know what relegation is because he says, I'm not so much worried about relegation, but I'm worried about the definition of relegation. So are we to understand at this point he still does not know what relegation is? I mean, that's what the show is telling us. I don't think he's trying to write it off like I'm not worried about it. I still don't think he truly understands what that is. Because again, we talked about on this pod, that concept of teams going up and down in right. leagues is a very foreign concept to an right. American audience. I don't manage as a gaffer of a Premier League, and I know what relegation is. Is well, it because, because I me. do this podcast <laughs> yeah. and you explain it to me? Yes, but I'm assuming Beard has explained it to Ted at some point over a pipe. Yeah. But Ted acts like he doesn't know what it is. They don't explain it to him, which is funny. <laughs> yeah. He like changes the subject. And they ask him about the loss of Jamie Tart. This is Ted in a very good moment. Mm. He expresses, hey, uh, the thing I love about coaching is making a connection with players. I really do feel like he made a connection with Jamie before he left. Uh, And he said, hey, losing a player that I've made a connection with is is worse than any loss that happens out on the pitch. Mm -hmm. So um, a lovely moment from Ted that I think we believe. I do think the reporters react like, What's wrong with this guy? Yeah. Like, well, he well, should I don't think care more. Used to it, right? Because every other manager, I don't think in the Premier League at that level, it's all about the W. It's not about, you know, again, Ted Lasso has that kind of approach where it's more of like, 
high school football kind of mentality or small town college football mentality where right. kids aren't going to go and continue to play in the NFL. So they're just trying to make them better men where this right. is a different deal. He's still trying to use that philosophy, which we see is working, but certainly throws the reporters for a loop. Right. Ted definitely believes that clear eyes, full hearts can't lose. Mm, nice. Uh, he says, and I, I think it's important that we get this quote in here. He says, last one there is a scotch egg. Do you know what a scotch egg is? I mean, I, I thought of like an egg you see at a bar where they just throw it in like a... Oh, it's a pickled uh, egg. A like pickled the, egg? Is yeah, that what those are? Those that's, are pickled eggs. That's what I assumed. I heard scotch. I thought bar. I thought eggs. But I don't know. Is there another Listen, name? I looked up a scotch egg. A scotch egg is essentially a hard-boiled egg that has been wrapped in sausage and it's baked. So it's like a hard-boiled egg wrapped in a sausage case hmm. that you eat. There's no shell. It's okay. been deshelled. I thought that's a weird thing. To like the sausage the case is taking over the shell. Right, exactly. Mm. Exactly. It sounded good. I actually read how you make them. Seemed like a lot of work. Well, yeah, it's a sausage casing. That's a whole lot of work. I'm not going to go into how to make them. But, <laughs> um, and I don't have a history on them. I'm assuming uh, they're called scotch eggs because you eat them while you drink scotch. Mm. The bus, funny gag here, call back to the intro. The bus starts to take off. It stops. <laughs> Clearly, Nate has sent a text or something, or they hear the pounding. I uh, gotta imagine they just, like, realize they're doing, like, a little head count on the bus. Like, uh-oh, Nate is not here. Nate the Great is not here. Ted stops the bus, runs out. Uh, well, no, I take that back, because I guess they knew exactly where to go to find him. Right. So maybe I, assume Trevor said sent, something. I assume he sent a text okay. out, and, and he's like, hey, I'm in the luggage compartment. These are questions we'll never know. The mysteries of, of Ted Lasso. Yeah. I love the way they shot it, though, how, like, the mics weren't still on, so you couldn't really hear the conversation. You kind of hear it from a distance of Ted saying, like, hey, man, let's, let's get out. Sure, let's sure. Get. So then we are with Rebecca and Keeley. They're in the presidential suite. Uh, Keeley, oh, the valet shows them up. Mm -hmm. uh, Is he a valet? Is that the valet? Uh, who's That's the person the, the that bell, takes your... The bellman. The, the bellhop. Bell yeah. The bellhop. Okay, so the bellhop. They call them valets over there. <laughs> okay. Because um, it's a French word. Um... And France is part of Europe. Like Zorro. Zorro. <laughs> Keely makes a comment to the guy. I guess he's like, he's standing there kind of waiting for a tip. Yeah. And she makes a comment that they would like to take a quick shower. Her and Rebecca would like to take a quick shower. The young gentleman quickly exits the room. And she makes a comment, which is so great. She's like, he would have spent the cash tip in a minute. The image I gave him is going to last him a lifetime. Mm, I agree. Uh, and as a young man, I was a young man once, and I agree with her. Um, but money's also nice. So please tip your waiters and waitresses. Yeah, you figure a guy like that taking somebody up to the presidential suite. He's looking for some extra coin. That is that is true. Yeah. They did stiff him there. Never mind. Oh, and then Rebecca kind of is going through something. Keely asked her what's wrong. We realized that. They stayed in this room during their last anniversary. She stayed there with Rupert, which this is actually, it sounds like their anniversary or would have been their anniversary because she gets an email earlier that's like anniversary flowers yeah, or something. Did she mention that they stayed like specifically here kind of thing or she's just saying this weekend was like the thing? I thought she no, was just she says she says they stayed in that room okay. uh, for their anniversary. So she is sad. Keely consoles her. Once again, those two are just becoming closer, which is nice. And what's your thoughts? I know early on, I don't know if you cared as much about that relationship. Do you feel like it's blossomed more? Do you like their dynamic back and forth? I think it's fun. Keeley's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, I find Keeley very funny. They play off each other very well. 
Uh, the thing that while they're on screen, I constantly wonder is what the height differential is between the <laughs> yeah. two of them. Especially when they gave each other a hug right here. Like, yeah, she definitely had to come down. Rebecca's got like a foot on her, which is fine. But, you know, I, I enjoy that relationship. I, I do think there are there, it's it's funny the way they play off of each other. Yeah. All right. And then we have the team checking in at the lovely hotel. Very funny. Nate is kind of coordinating it as the kit man. He's handing out the keys. And he's going through these rules, and they are very specific rules. And just the way it's written, the way he delivers it, you get the understanding that some incidents have happened before. 100%. And so he makes comments about, like, the hotel furniture has to stay in the rooms. It's not to be shipped home. It's not to be shipped to other hotels, <laughs> which is hilarious. That's an odd thing. What was that? Like, would you... You have, like, a bed or a mattress? Why would you want another I'm hotel? assuming someone thinks the furniture is really nice and they <laughs> spend enough time on the road that they're like, hey, this chair is comfortable. Can you ship it to the next hotel we're going to? <laughs> I don't know. I was never on any travel sports teams. Uh, or I never fell in love with any hotel furniture, God, I no. should say. Yeah. That was great. And then Ted tells the team, hey, we've got a team dinner. And he gives them a choice. <laughs> we're either going to do a movie night or pillow fight. They all choose movie night. Movie night, which is a bummer, man. Man, <laughs> I, I, like a montage of them having a pillow fight would right. be just great. A community esque uh, <laughs> pillow fight battle. Oh yeah, would be wonderful. He does make the comment. He goes, "One time you guys are gonna change pillow or pick pillow fight, and we're <laughs> never gonna watch another movie together." And then they get their room numbers. Some inside jokes here, at least what I thought were inside jokes. Mm -hmm. So Ted is fifty one fifty. Yep. Did you get that reference? Not at all. Okay, so I had to look it up. 5150 is a Van Halen album, the okay. rock band Van Halen. Are you as big a Van Halen fan as you are a Beatles fan? Absolutely not. I know of the David Lee Roth, who they mentioned, but I don't know a lot of Van Halen. Okay, bits. so from what I understand, this album, 5150, is named after the, you know, how like police have codes, like, hey, it's a yeah, whatever. Like a 187. Yeah, something like that. And a cop. So 5150 is a... The California law enforcement code for a mentally disturbed person. So they named an album after that. Are so, they known for being mentally disturbed? Well, I think the, the album is because uh, they're rockers. So they're so crazy, <laughs> you know. I love that. Everyone <laughs> knows rockers are crazy, you know. They're doing the whiskey and they're doing the lines Scottish eggs. Scottish eggs. Um, <laughs> and I believe this was Sammy Hagar's first as the lead singer. I don't know. I'm not a Van Halen <laughs> fan. I don't even know why I looked this stuff up. Um, Our audience is super excited about all this. Yeah. If you're a Van Halen fan, write us and tell us why they're good. I couldn't name one of their songs. And then we go, uh, Beards is 5148, and they go, Howdy, neighbor. I spent a lot of time on the <laughs> internet. Do you know what that's from? I, I mean, when I hear Howdy, neighbor, like, my mind immediately goes to, like, Home Improvement. And sure. Tim Taylor. Sure. And, uh, what was the what was the neighbor's name? Did you only see half his face. Not Wilson. Al Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. yeah, that that was kind of my goes like how do you, but I guess that's howdy ho neighbor. That's kind of Wilson's go. Heidi ho neighbor. Heidi ho. Yeah. No no no. You're excused. Fifty one forty eight. I went on the internet. I spent more time than I should have trying to figure this joke out. I think it's just an inside joke between them. The fact that maybe they're hotel neighbors. There is a song from an old movie where Judy Garland, Judy Garland of Wizard of Oz fame, correct? like later in her career, she sings a song called Howdy Neighbor while she drives a tractor. 
It's on YouTube. It's pretty incredible. She's like Broadway singing while legitimately like it's not like a green screen. She's driving this tractor. She's howdying neighbor. I watched it. She's howdying neighbor. I watched it and I'm I'm upset that I watched it. But now that I think about it, it brings me a little bit of joy. Yeah. But I'm like, why was this entertainment back in the day? Why did people think this was, like, enjoyable? Hey, man, that was the, that was the thing. Tractors and singing were all the rage. Yeah, so, howdy neighbor, I couldn't figure it out. I think it was just a more inside jokes with them, kind of just showing their dynamic and everything. Okay, well, if you know the um, genesis of that joke, please email us at teambingepodcast.com at gmail.com or you can send us a twitter at tweet <laughs> dot no uh, at team binge We're team binge yeah that's yeah okay our twitter, our twitter handle is at team binge yep that's where we do all our socialing mm -hmm. then we're back in rebecca's room uh rebecca's ordering a reservation oh she's trying to figure out what they're going to do uh that evening and i think she mentions that she ordered a bottle of champagne that That's, has yeah, not that arrived was a call, yep. so then she's talking to the concierge downstairs uh and keely keeps talking in the background and there's this like funny back and forth where she's asking keely questions and keely's just talking nonsense like oh yeah the steak it's great bar yeah. check it out <laughs> liverpool has wonderful and so we find out that keely <laughs> was the narrator or like host yeah. for the hotel channel so the channel whenever you're in a hotel and it turns to that generic thing that like talks about keely is just up there talking i thought this was a very funny bit oh it was a great bit and it reminds me of like when you're in vegas like you just kind of turn to that vegas channel sure. or whatever and it's just the you know more or less the tv concierge telling you all the things that, that you know you can kind of do and it, it's funny because it kind of goes back to keely being almost famous like she right. kind of does these side gigs like is she an influencer does she do modeling but she's just she's kind of a jack of all trades she does a little bit of everything and this was a great gag going back and forth of rebecca thinking she's actually talking to right in when i've been in vegas and like i feel like sometimes they do have like legitimate celebrities do those channels mm -hmm. or like do the voices my assumption is always that celebrity got caught doing something at that hotel. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, listen, we're either going to charge you, the public's going to find out, or you've <laughs> got to give us 12 hours where you record what's going on our channel. Yeah, that's why uh, I see Christian Slater on a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So then one of Rebecca's old friends shows up. Uh, her name, Flo Collins. She comes in. She calls Rebecca Stinky. We yep. find out these are childhood names. Flo goes by Sassy. Uh, Rebecca goes by Stinky. Keely uh, enjoys this woman's presence. Keely because she comes instantly in, falls yeah, in love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She comes in hot. She And we find out that they haven't spoken in six years, but they were best friends from childhood. Yeah, I, I, I have to admit, when she first came on the screen, I did not know what to take because she kind of like stormed into the room. Rebecca kind of gives her that look. Sure. I almost thought she was going to be kind of a foil to Keely and Rebecca kind of connecting. Right. I thought she was going to kind of come in and just kind of, I don't know, ruin their relationship or kind of break sure. them up. But um, obviously, as we kind of find out, like, she is a great catalyst to help us learn more about Rebecca's backstory. Right. You know, the way they kind of talk about um, some of the stuff coming up. I think uh, it's a really cool character. A good introduction. Well, that's a great point. I think in a different show, that person does show up and like Keely gets jealous mm -hmm. and Rebecca like gloms onto her. Yeah. And like you see 
that kind of, but that's not this show. This no. show is she shows up, her and Keely get along. They like talk about Rebecca in terms of who Rebecca was and what Rebecca can be. Mm-hmm. And so, no, it's, it's a good point. I did not think about that. And it's just because I've watched these episodes enough times, yeah. but it's interesting that you, that you had that thought. We find out that Rebecca is the godmother of Flo or Sassy's daughter, Mm -hmm. who is 12, Nora. Nora. So she would have last seen her when she was six. Mm -hmm. So that lets you know how how close they are. Are you a godparent or is anyone a godparent of your seven children? No, we don't really do that. I don't really understand the relationship within godparents. Oh, it's like, is it the religious ties, I'm assuming? Because it's literally God in the name or not really? Ooh, I have always understood it like in our family, it was always like an aunt and uncle uh, that got the privilege of, I don't know. I, I, you know what? I've gone down this road. I don't really know. My assumption is back in the day, if like you died, then your kid had to go live with the godparent. Yeah, my uh, sister-in-law has said that to me early on. So like if anything happens to them, like she would want her kids to be with us. But I mean, it's not like. I don't sure. think we've got anything legally written down or anything. Well, else. if you Please. take on the term Godfather. <laughs> oh. I, I don't have a God complex. Okay. Now I'm realizing it probably has more to do with the mob than because there was all those movies. Godfather Ooh. 1, Godfather 2. That has to be what it is. Godfather, the pizza restaurant. <laughs> uh, all of that comes into play. So, oh, I thought this was funny. And I don't know if you caught it, but Sassy produces a champagne bottle out of her um, oh, out of her bag. And she goes, I stole this off the cart in the lobby. Well, Rebecca was calling about champagne that was not delivered to her room. Oh, so Sassy okay. has inevitably stolen Rebecca's champagne that well, hasn't made it to the room. Did she steal it or did she just deliver it? No, she goes, point. I took it off the cart in the... But, I mean... Maybe they'll get another one because they can complain they didn't get it. But ultimately, that is Rebecca's that she paid for. Sweet serendipity. I think <laughs> I've used that term, right? Then we have, oh, they're down in the, like, I don't know, conference room or whatever. The movie's playing. It's Ted, Nate, and Beard talking at the table. What's playing in the background, Tom? Iron Giant. Have you seen Iron Giant? I ha- I think I have seen most of it. Okay. I don't, I can't tell you what happens in it. I know there's a boy and his name is Garth, and I know there is an Iron Giant whose giant. name, name is, is Iron. Iron. Uh, his last name, his Christian name, is Giant. Yep. Um, but other than that, I couldn't tell you anymore. It's I, it's a I, Disney I, movie, right? Uh, yeah. It was kind of an interesting movie. It was kind of the molding of cartoon and like CGI because I think the giant was more CGI driven than the cartoon. Like the rest of the characters are kind of cartoony. Okay. Um, but yeah, it was a very one of Vin Diesel's probably greatest performances ever. I'm sorry, who? Vin Diesel. Who is Vin Diesel in the Iron Giant? Vin Diesel is the Iron Giant. Really? He is the voice of the Iron Giant. This is why he is Groot, is because he did the Iron Giant, where he says just, you know, nonsense throughout Iron Giant. This is why he is I am Groot throughout. I'm surprised Does you didn't he, know that. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. Does he drink Corollas and call everyone family or talk about family constantly? No, he's not. Uh, he's not a, a Corona head. Does the Iron Giant wear one of those white tank tops? <laughs> oh, that's great. I did not know that. Yeah. I truly did not know that. Vin Diesel joint. 
Oh, interesting. Okay, when was it? Yeah, uh, it doesn't matter. When was it done? Is what I was gonna ask. I mean, it was pre nineties. It was pre uh, Fast and Furious franchise for sure. Oh man, too bad the Iron Giant didn't take off like the Fast and the Furious franchise. What if we had uh, Iron Giant Tokyo Drift? That'd be incredible. <laughs> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ted wants to know Nate's opinion on the team. You know, he's trying to figure out what to tell them in order to help the team win. They, mm-hmm. You know, they've been down and Nate expresses that he has an opinion, but he doesn't want to he doesn't want to tell Ted. Um, and he expresses all the things that Ted's like, why won't you share your opinion? And Nate's like, well, I'm not going to share it because this is going to happen. Yeah, he gives the whole spit, uh, the spiel, and I just love it so much. I got to I gotta spit it all out. So he's like, uh, that you won't like my idea, and that makes you hate me. And then you fire me, and then I have to move back in with my parents, and they'll be ashamed of me. And everyone finds out back home and laughs until my face melts off. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. And then he gets up and leaves. I love it. I should have talked about it at the beginning, but uh, his name is Nick Muhammad. Uh he does a fabulous job in this episode. Like, I feel like this is probably the most he gets to do in an episode. Oh, here. Certainly is... with what's coming up later. Yeah. But like, I really, I'm a Higgins guy. You're a Nate <laughs> guy. That's fine. But like in this episode, it was a real joy to watch that I actor work and, and the character work. Yeah, so great. And Beard says after he gives that speech, Ted looks at him and Beard says, well, at least he didn't stammer. Yeah. <laughs> he got so, it all out. Right. So then Ted gets a text from who? But Michelle. Michelle. What does Michelle want? She wants some paperwork. She wants it signed because she wants to get on with her life. And her husband, soon to be ex, is a terrible person. So <laughs> then as he's departing, he goes, he turns to Beard and he's like, hey, watch out for these guys. At minute 74, there's going to be a bunch of grown men crying. Mm-hmm. Which, once again, I don't know uh, Iron Giant like... Uh, I do most Disney movies. <laughs> My favorite happens to be Wally um, because it shows the goodness of humanity. <laughs> but what happens at minute 74 of Iron Giant, Tom? So, Iron Giant, it's kind of known as the missile scene. This is like the climax where, again, I don't know all the details. Of course, I, I had to rewatch this in preparation for this because I had to get that emotional resonance. You rewatched all of Iron Giant? No, no, no. Just this missile scene. Okay. So, it's it's at um, least 74 minutes long. No, I just, it's a five minute clip on the YouTube. Mm. Um, but it's it's more or less uh, the Iron Giant is self-sacrifice uh, because there's a big missile that's going to come down. Whoa, and... whoa, whoa. Spoilers. Go ahead, Tom. <laughs> so, yeah. Spoiler alert. Uh, yeah, there's a missile coming down, kind of grim, going to literally obliterate, like a nuclear bomb going to obliterate this town. And the boy, like, he kind of looks down to the boy and says, like, hey, I've got to go. And goes, runs up into the earth, or runs up into space and explodes the missile and saves the town. But sacrificing himself. But the Iron Giant lives. The Iron Giant does not live. This is probably why they did not have a Fast and Furious Iron Giant franchise. 
Unless does they it come be... back as a tiny tree later that dances, <laughs> and everyone's like, "Oh, Iron Giant's back!" In a, in a pot, as a potted plant. Maybe, man, like one piece of metal that just kind of trickles down. Man, Vin Diesel, the most just self-sacrificing individual. Yes. From what I hear. One of the things that I think is funny is when Ted makes the comment that there's going to be a bunch of grown men crying. Beard goes, I'll be one of them. Oh. And he and he produces a box of tissues. and One cube, just like pulls it out of his suitcase or whatever and just boom right on the table. Great movement, great line by Beard. Then we go from there and the... Uh, women, Flo, Rebecca, Keely are all at dinner. Flo tries to set up Rebecca with the young, handsome waiter. Mm -hmm. uh, I felt a little bit bad for that waiter, but then I was like, oh, if I was that waiter, I would actually be pretty happy. Yeah. Um, but you just see that kind of Flo's personality in terms of she's trying to get Rebecca to have some fun. Well, and she's um, right back into it, seemingly just joking and, and messing around with Rebecca after right, six for, years of absence. Right, for someone that she hasn't seen in six years. Good mm -hmm. point. So then we have uh, Ted at the front desk because he needs a fax machine in order to send evil Michelle <laughs> her uh, free ticket to divorce. And that's where, I guess, Flo is walking by. She sees Ted, and she hops in line behind him. Did they make mention, like, Michelle say you need to fax it, or Ted just assumed he's signing it and has to go via fax? I'm assuming because he thinks it's, a, like, a signature that he has to send it via fax. I don't know. I mean... I just wasn't, like, if we missed something, because we get that text later that says he doesn't. He can email it to him, like, take a picture and email it. Right. I didn't think faxing was that, like, out of date. People still fax things. Yeah, might as well send it on a dinosaur. Okay. <laughs> yes. Thank you for throwing that in my face. <laughs> Sassy is behind him. She says, uh, are you sending something to the year 1997? When dinosaurs <laughs> roamed the earth. When dinosaurs <laughs> roamed the earth. <laughs> So they have a funny back and forth. Ted says something like, yeah, I'm telling myself to buy Apple stock. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm just now realizing, buy Apple stock? Apple shameless plug in this Apple show. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that either. Literally just light bulb just went off oh, looking at these great. show notes. It's weird. After the episode, I went and bought Apple stock. I was like, oh, that's a really good idea. And then I bought another iPhone I don't need. So More beat headphones. Maybe they're uh, just flashing... Oh, I wonder if in the scene where I didn't take note, but I bet when Higgins is watching with his boys, one of his mm. boys has Beats headphones on. We didn't on. do the Beats count. Dang it. There's another J.K. Rowling reference here, too. There is the a J.K. Time. Well, she's the most famous British person in the well, world. most famous British person that an American audience knows. That's fair. Sassy says something like uh, she's going to send a fax to tell herself to murder J.K. Rowling and write the <laughs> Harry Potter books. And he says... Well, I probably won't write murder, I'll write handle, so there's not a paper trail, which is brilliant. Just two witty people talking to each other. She introduces herself as Sassy, mm -hmm. and he says, like, Sassy Smurf. Yeah, like, he's very confident. He's like, oh, the Sassy Smurf. Like, that's where you kind of got that from. I wasn't really a, a Smurf fan. I also, but what I do know of Smurfs is that there's only one female Smurf. Uh, so And her name is Sexy Smurf. <laughs> I don't think it's Sexy Smurf. Uh, maybe it is Sassy Smurf. I don't know. No, it's Smurfette. That's that's her name. Yeah, so, I don't how, know. That how, doesn't seem right. How this whole village like came together when there's only one female Smurfette, I don't know. Um, <laughs> this is this what I we're doing? I don't know, man. Oh, no. I'm just saying. Oh, no. So, yes, think about. so there wasn't a Sassy Smurf, Smurf is what we've decided. Um, <laughs> this, the hotel clerk, uh, that guy doesn't have a lot to work with, but he does make the most 
One thing he says, oh, when he's, he, he says, oh, we don't have a fax machine, but I'll call someone. As he's hanging up on whoever he's talking to, he goes, hey, tell me how the trial goes. And then he hangs up on him and he turns to Ted and he goes, hey, you know, I found a fax machine. It's at such and such place. I was like, I wonder if that actor was just trying to get more like work or if they wrote in like, because I, I looked that, that up. It, it didn't have anything to do with the show, but he clearly says, tell me how the trial goes and then hangs up. So <laughs> I feel like that awkward actor was just trying to make a joke and get in there. But uh, he shoots his shot with he shoots his <laughs> shot. I'm going to start that over again, but I'm not going to cut this out because we don't cut out mistakes, Tom. We live with them. Uh, the hotel clerk shoots his shot, as the kids say, with Flo, because she makes the comment, I only gotten this line because I saw... What? <laughs> the kids say shoot his shot? Is that a thing? Yeah, they shoot the basketball. Yeah, but like, take your shot. You don't shoot your shot. I feel like I'm going to take my shot and flirt with this lady. Because she she threw out that she was flirting heavily with Ted. Right. And he's like, okay, maybe I should go. But shoots your shot, I don't think it's a thing. Okay, well. <laughs> I don't think it's a thing. Uh, I've been using it a lot, and my kids have been using it. And they're like three and four, so, so that's yeah, something. They're on fleek. <laughs> <laughs> they spend a lot of time in detention. The hotel clerk, it's just a funny moment. He he uh, tries to hit on Flo mm. by telling her when he... His shift is over and she doesn't even acknowledge it. Yeah, she just, just walks off. Walks um, and she calls, oh, she calls Ted Magnum P.I., mm -hmm. which she calls him a couple of different nicknames during this episode. She calls him Magnum P.I. and she calls him the Marlboro <laughs> Man. Nice. Marlboro Man. You had it. You didn't need to do it again? I've smoked him. I don't need to pronounce it, though. Why doesn't she know who Ted is? Oh, she's probably not a soccer fan. Well, her friend. So? Of six years. So? is the owner of a soccer club. She does press conferences. Like, I would think an American going to a premier soccer league would be in the news, and she would know what's happening with AFC Richmond. No, man, she's got like a 12-year-old kid. She's got enough going on in her life. She's probably not a soccer fan. She loves her friend dearly, but does not follow the team. Okay, I thought it was odd that she didn't know who Ted is. We know who Ted is, and we're Americans. <laughs> we're american so uh we get a quick shot of the team crying <laughs> yeah. watching the iron giant there's nothing else it's just well, isaac and them crying it's so great too because i, I rewatched this scene from iron giant and it's him like as he's flying up into space sure. Iron giant's got his hand up and he's literally saying superman we got both hands up and he's saying superman because um, that was a part late earlier in the movie. So they don't show the scene, but I hear him say Superman, and I can picture it in my head since I just watched it. It was it was very, very well shot. Did you weep uh, as you rewatched the five-minute scene from Iron Giant? No, I mean, obviously not as emotionally resonating when you just take a five-minute clip. I didn't uh, see the relationship, you know, blossom uh, throughout the, the flick. But, sure. Uh, I do remember being emotional. Okay. So then we're at... Flo and Keely at dinner because Rebecca has walked away. They're kind of bonding over Rebecca. As I mentioned, she calls Ted Marble Men because she tells Keely that she just ran into mm -hmm. the Marble Man. <laughs> I think I'm saying that right. It doesn't really matter. Wow. Don't smoke. It causes cancer. But it makes you look so cool. It does make you look cool. <laughs> and what's interesting here is Flo makes the comment. She goes, oh, that's not Rebecca because Keely is talking about how yeah. great Rebecca is. And, <clears throat> and Flo's like, that's not Rebecca. The real Rebecca is strong, but she's not cold. Mm -hmm. um, and you do get that from Rebecca. She is a bit cold. And she's silly. She goes, oh, she's she's silly. 
and you, have you heard her sing? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a great, like, once again, just the writing is great because you're kind of setting this up for what happens later. And also as an audience member, you haven't seen Rebecca be like silly or fun or... Well, and I think when they introduce like Sassy, a character that is from her past that not only she hasn't met for six years or whatever, but they've been, they've mentioned they've been friends since they were like kids. Like, right. They grew up together. So when you bring somebody like that in, you know immediately we're going to start opening up, uh, you know, kind of Pandora's box of, of Rebecca's past and right. seeing more of that. Because I think even Sassy kind of says that line, like if Tequili, if you like this, Rebecca, you're going to love the real one. Right. Which I think was really, really cool. So then they go through the bit where Rebecca has paid the bill. She's like, oh, do you want to do the thing? Where oh, you no, to pay man. The bill? I got to pay it. Oh, you're such a jerk. I want to pay the bill. It doesn't happen a lot during these times when we're not going out to restaurants. <laughs> but paying for the bill, I don't stress about it. But it is something where, and I'm not an overly generous person. No, I, no, would, I would rather just pay the bill for everyone rather than have the debate of, like, hey, who ordered what, like, who ordered what, figured it out. Or, like, just a solid, hey, just split it, you know, That's however right, many man. ways. Yeah, if we if we would go to dinner together, I would just, regardless of what each of us ordered, I would just have both of us throw a credit card down, and that's right, right. It's just easier. But that's why we're friends, and we have the group of friends that we have, because I feel like everyone's essentially on the well, same Well, and page. I know you're hitting hard times right now. You know, you can't afford $5 bets. It's understandable. <laughs> I think I owe you 10 at this point. I'm not taking that. The other bet I'm not taking. The first one was a legit one. You sold me $5. By the end of this episode, I will make another bet with you. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be. So then we are at the game with Everton. We're in the away team locker room. Mm-hmm. I love the concept of away team locker rooms because the home team can just make it like total crap. Like, oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure uh, the Iowa Hawkeyes for a number of years painted the uh, visitor team locker room pink um, oh, in order to... Just to annoy um, Yeah, just to annoy them. Yeah. Which, pink's a lovely color. Yeah. Um, oh, wait. No. No, no, no. Did you skip? Yeah, I skip. <laughs> <laughs> So then we're with Ted back in his hotel room. Uh, he as they have the uh, the empty liquor bottles, the small yeah. hotel ones that you have to have when someone is upset and drunk in a hotel room yep. because no one goes to the local liquor store to buy one. And he is looking over the legal documents for his lovely wife, Michelle. He Lovely looks. Now. He looks like he's having a bit of a rough time. He is disheveled, like that <laughs> that hair and all that kind of stuff. Like he is definitely worse for wear. <clears throat> I think you're finally kind of seeing him unravelish a little bit. Hopefully that microphone still works because I Let's just go ahead and dumped water on for, it. For our uh, video audience who can see this, uh, I'll explain for the uh, <laughs> the podcast listeners. Julian just uh, spilled a little bit of Maker's Mark whiskey on his shirt. It's bourbon. Slid into his microphone a little bit. So if you hear a little drop, like kind of on the microphone, that was Julian's whiskey. Testing. One, two. Still works. We're good. All right. So he does look disheveled. The nice thing about... Were you just so disheveled about him being disheveled? Was that it? It was like, yes, you need to be yes. one with Ted at that point. I can't watch Ted drink and not drink with him. It's still dripping down my chin. <laughs> um, no, he, I, what I was going to make the comment about is the hair the hair that Lasso has that is typically well-groomed, it does for a very well, like, disheveled, oh, having a rough yeah. day. You're doing a great impression yeah. right now. Check it on YouTube. I'm disheveled now. 
He then gets a text message from who but Michelle's lawyer, who I'm assuming is her new beau. It's so, like, passive-aggressive. Like, oh, Michelle said I should reach out to you, and blah, 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 you can do this. Like, it is kind of, like, and I don't know. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. I don't like it. And then as he's looking over this paperwork, having, uh, you know, being stressed out about it, as he should be, because he's going against the good Lord and the good book, he hears something at the door. He goes out there, and it's Nate trying to slip a note underneath the door. It's not Nate trying to slip a note. It's Nate, like, battling his inner demons. Like, should I slip it? Nope. Yep. Oh, I thought he he was trying to. No, he keeps slicing it, like, am I going to put it in? No, I'm not going to do it. Am I going to do it? No, I'm not going to do it. I think he was literally battling himself. Oh, okay, I thought he was having issues getting it underneath the door. Ted is upset with him. He yells at him. He clearly just takes it out on Nate. Nate's done mm-hmm. nothing wrong. No. He tells Tate to, Nate to go back to his room because it's past curfew. He grabs the papers. He throws it on the desk. And then he falls asleep while listening to the sweet, sweet sounds of... <laughs> Keeley's uh, Hotel Channel. Yeah. Which, Keeley's I Hotel mean, Channel. the camera... I, I don't. I didn't really like this. The camera... Is looking at him, just kind of just laying in bed, pans over to Keeley, and slowly pans back, and Ted is passed right, out. Right, Ted's passed like, out. Like, he wasn't, like, blacked out drunk kind of a thing. Uh, it seems silly that he would just fall asleep that quickly. Yeah, sure. I don't know. Maybe people can do that. Certainly not spill on the microphone drunk. No. Then we're in the locker room before the game. These guys are dressed. I almost didn't recognize them because yeah, yeah. Richmond's blue and white. These yeah. guys are wearing. They've got some orange kits, which I'm a fan of. I like some just off-the-wall kind of colors. Because there's no orange in their in their kits or in their jerseys, logos, anything. Uh, and a lot of Premier League teams do this. Uh, every single year, they'll come out with new jerseys. It's just marketing, so they can sell it. And, sure. Um, people will, hardcore fans will buy them every single year. Um, so sometimes, instead of just being a generic white for away games, they'll choose. They usually call them a third kit. So they'll have a white, their main color, and then a third kit is usually like a kind of outrageous color they'll use for just Okay. Fun. This kit I liked as well. It made me think that they didn't want to get shot during quail season <laughs> yeah. uh, because they're all running around in blaze orange. This scene is by far like the best of the episode. Lovely. I love this. This is Nate getting to like really be Nate. Nick Muhammad does a great job. Uh, it opens with Ted apologizing to Nate, telling that he read his thoughts. He he says, hey, you know. This whoa, whoa. Is... Ted can read minds? Yes, Ted can read his thoughts that he put on paper, oh, Thomas. Oh, those ones, okay. So he says, hey, this is all true. It's great. The team needs to hear it, but I can't deliver it. <laughs> you have to deliver it, which I think is Nate's, like, worst nightmare oh, in yeah. this moment. Nate loves being the guy that could, like, give, you know, you know kind of sure. nudge some stuff to Ted, let Ted roll with it. But now that he's like, oh, no, I have to take center stage. Yeah, so Nate delivers the pregame speech. He does a wonderful job. The actor is just incredible. Like with the kind of like subtle, like I'm nervous, I don't want to do this. And then he gets into it. Yeah. So then he goes through like the main teammates um, and he hits Isaac up first. Isaac, the big kind of uh, enforcer. Do do they have enforcers on the team? He's known as like the... Kind of like a muscle man, tough guy. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. One of uh, Tart's old lackeys. Right. Tart's old lackeys. Um, and what's so funny is the team, like Nate is nervous to deliver yeah. it. And the team like is encouraging of Nate because yeah. they, at this point they've loved Nate and they're like, Hey Nate, you know, don't be nervous. They're expecting some like rah-rah speech. <laughs> and then they all just get torn up by Nate and the joy of them being like, be like, Hey, no, don't be nervous. Like, tell us what you think. 
and then him telling them what they think, which is all like insulting to them. It's just a great. He's uh, roasting them, man. Yeah, like oh, yeah. they encourage him to start. Once he does the first one, and the, then the rest of the team realizes, uh-oh, oh, oh, yeah, this is what we're in for. Yeah. So he hits Isaac first. He says, "Isaac, you've been playing like a big dumb cat." <laughs> he doesn't say cat, but that's <laughs> as far right. as I'm gonna go. He said, "You're more concerned about being tough than actually being tough." Mm. And the team's reaction is like, "Oh mm. no!" And Colin, uh, Colin does some great work here. He goes. Wow. <laughs> he at, and then and then they go Sam. And Sam's response is, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> he says, you second guess yourself more than a crappy psychic. The only person more imprisoned by their thoughts is Nelson Mandela. <laughs> I think that got that line. That's what everybody started oh, like. Yeah, yeah. 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 He says you're constantly being beat on the wings because you're indecisive. And then Colin's laughing and he goes, Oh, you think that's funny? And he's like, Do you wax yourself? And Colin's like, No. And he's like, Then why are you playing like a Brazilian (laughs) with that step over BS? Did you understand that reference? Or is there a way like Brazilians play that, like this? Because I didn't understand the reference. Yeah, no, it's fair. Uh, So I I think. Players like uh, Ronaldo, uh, Pele, they were kind of known for be- just being like magicians on the ball. So they can just step over, do like little moves and stuff to get past players. Okay. So he's just kind of saying like you're you're trying to pretend like you're one of these Brazilian all-stars when you're really not. Okay. Uh, or, or it's almost kind of like he's playing like we've seen some of these highlights of Jamie Tart with a really quick ball movement and feet. So it's like fancy footwork, but yes. he's not pulling it off. Exactly. So okay. he's losing a lot of balls and so he calls him out on it. And I <laughs> love how just like, he he eviscerates Colin. Oh yeah, like he does it. He says a like a line about the Brazilian, but like the other things when he comes back at him, like like did I stutter? Like did you right. hear what I said? Like oh man, that was great. And Colin goes, "What just happened?" <laughs> and then he goes to Danny Rojas, and Danny Rojas is like, "Yeah, roast me. Football is life, man. Roast me. It's <laughs> life." And he's like, "Well, if football is life, your defense is death. The only person I've seen lose a man more often is Carrie Bradshaw." And it's great. It cuts to Ted and Beard, and Ted does what we all do when we understand a reference. He's like, "That's the Sex in the City reference." But Beard is just like he—he's so involved. He's like, and he wants Nate to keep going. He doesn't want anything to break this up. Right. Know, Beard just shushes him. <laughs> he shushes Ted, which is great. And then we get to Roy Kent, our captain, Roy Ooh, Kent. Roy. My spirit animal, Roy Kent. <laughs> I love Roy Kent. He goes, he's like, turns to Roy. Roy stands up. Kind of improves. And I, I don't know why I have it in my head, but I always think of Roy as short. But mm. Roy, Brett, Brett Goldstein is not short. Like, he's just an intimidating presence and right. character. Well, when he stands up, he's clearly taller than people. I don't know why, but like, I'm always like when he stands next to Jamie Tart, he he's taller than Jamie Tart. Yeah. When he stands next to uh, Nick Mohammed, Nathan, he's taller. But anyways, in he's like in Nate's grill, and uh, <laughs> Roy's so great in this moment because he's like because you can see Nate gets intimidated again. Yeah. Oh yeah, and Roy's like, go ahead, say what you're gonna say. Mm-hmm. Nate goes to read it off the paper, whoosh, rips it away. Roy rips away the notes, throws it on the ground. He goes, he goes, no, no. Say it to me. Look me in the eye. Yeah. And <laughs> Nate says some things here. He's like, you're old and your focus drifts. I love that start. He's just, I, you know, I am deadpan right there. He's like, you're old. Just throwing it right there. I love right. it. And your focus drifts. And the way 
uh, Nate delivers that line just like he's quiet. He's like, you're old and you're focused. Just, it's almost like he's narrating like an epic. It's like a fortune teller. He's reading him. <laughs> and he's like, your superpower is your anger. He's like, you, you, your anger made you one of the best mil- midfielders in the history of the league. You used to run like you were angry at the grass. Great line. I love that. Oh, that is good. I don't know what it means. It's just like you're stomping around. Like you're just like you are trying to play so hard and you're just so mad at everything that's happening. Okay. And like people do feel like uh, players do feed, uh, feed off of that. If you are just, if your players are kind of lackadaisical. And I think that was probably maybe some of the dynamic why he hated uh, Tart so much. Mm-hmm. Because Tart was just so lackadaisical. Okay. On the field, only about himself. Like, he gets just literally get angry at everything. I just love that line. Yeah, no, it was a great line. I didn't understand it, but I love the delivery. <laughs> and I think this is important. He goes, you know, you've got to let your anger out. Like yeah. you've got to, you used to put it on the field. He's like, I'm afraid of what it'll do with you if you keep it all to yourself. Mm-hmm. And you see it like affects Roy. <laughs> he does it. It's like the most obvious way. They're like, oh, how can we show that this affects Roy? So Roy goes over and like Hulk Hogan's the bench. He rips it up. Hulk Hogan, by the way, was an American uh, WWE, WWF wrestler. The time Doesn't up. matter. Anyways, Roy, Brent Goldstein does a wonderful job here. Nate crushes this speech. He rips up the bench. Mm-hmm. The whole team cheers. Excited. They're so inspired. They all run out. And what's great is like... Ted says something like, see, wasn't that fun? Yeah. Which was clearly a stressful moment for Nate. But Beard picks up the notes that Roy has thrown on the ground. He hands them to Nate and he gives them this look and like slaps them on the shoulder. And it's just, Beard does so much sometimes not talking. Oh, like sure. the way Brendan Hunt plays that character is incredible. Yeah. And again, we I think we mentioned it. I love the way Nate, like he slowly steps into it and gets more and more confident. Mm-hmm. And stuff. So um that's what like i think like with sam he's very indecisive on the pitch nate is very timid and and uh, afraid of the, a lot of these players and standing up for himself so this was kind of his moment and i thought it was brilliant so i thought it was interesting that at one point ted after reading nate's notes that he just delivered to the team he says to him hey the team needs to hear this but i can't be the one that does it yeah is that do you think that is more about how Ted feels like he should be or he should talk to the team? Or do you think it's more about he wants Nate to grow? Like, why do you think he forces Nate to do it? I think it's both. I think if Ted were to deliver those lines that he was delivering, they wouldn't hit because everybody on that team knows that Ted is not a soccer uh, prodigy or whatever. He doesn't know the game. So when Nate is coming, they know Nate knows the game. So when he's coming saying, hey, you're getting beat on the sidelines or you're not playing like you used to, that's going to land a lot more harder than it would have Ted delivered. That. Okay. But I do see your point. I do think Ted is trying to get Nate to get out of his shell and deliver this stuff because sure. he can be, and he already has proven to be a very valuable asset to the team, but he could be more sure. and be that assistant coach. Maybe he's not going to be the kit man for the rest of the, the series. Right. Yeah. My thought was that like Ted feels like he's the positive one. And so some of this is like, is negative criticism. Yeah. And so he can't do that, which I don't think is right for a coach. I think a coach's job is to like tell it how it is and, mm-hmm. um, and point out those things. So I, I think it is a combination of that, but also he's trying to get Nate to grow, like you said. And, mm-hmm. and so very interesting. And once again, just from a leadership perspective, like Ted forcing someone into an uncomfortable spot, knowing that they'll succeed yep. and like 
I think that does a lot for Nate as well. Mm-hmm. Watching Nate do this during this episode made me go and look up Nick Muhammad, the actor that that plays Nate, and like kind of see what he's done. Um, he's not been in a lot of stuff that I've seen. He was in The Martian as kind of a he was like an engineer. The Mark, I'm uh, no, sorry, not Mark Wahlberg, Matt Damon. Uh, the Martian. Oh, okay. So yeah. he's he's I one of that. like the engineers that's designing one of the rockets at one point. Yeah, he was at JPL. He was like a JPL labs like, yeah. trying to redo the yeah, okay. Right. And then he's also apparently in some sitcom or was in a sitcom with David Schwimmer of Friends fame. But that's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> David Schwimmer is not Nick Muhammad. David Schwimmer. Okay, yeah. thank you. Sobel's the worst. Anyways, Sobel's the worst. <laughs> okay. So Three people will get that. Then we, I have so many Sobel thoughts that I don't <laughs> want to go to in, in this. Like the real life Sobel was actually like, uh, yeah. anyways. David Schwimmer playing Sobel was the worst. Okay, Sobel in real life Sorry. was an American hero. Anyways, uh, the team, our AFC Richmond win real quick. And then they they come back into the locker room. Lone goal from uh, our boy Roy. Oh, is that who scored? Yeah, they said Roy got the lone goal. I thought they made some comment like playing like he was possessed. Yeah. So, and it's just great. They get a win. They're coming all fired up. Uh, they're in the locker room. Obviously, this locker room also has, much like Rebecca's office, an open door policy. <laughs> yeah. So the team is celebrating, and in comes Keely, Sassy, and Rebecca. <laughs> uh, Keely and Roy have a moment mm. where they start talking. And Roy says, I've been thinking a lot about you this weekend. And she's like, oh, why? And he's like, well, you keep showing up on my TV in the hotel. So I, I kind of feel like we talk about the last uh, scene with him getting his anger out and Nate saying, like, if you don't get this anger out, I don't know what's going to happen to you. I thought this is a little bit of Roy letting his anger out in the field. Sure. Uh, and now seemingly having a more in-depth conversation with Keely that's not just like base level or super awkward sure. like he's just kind of connecting with her and I think we kind of see that blossom throughout the rest of this but like bringing her up here and I thought that was kind of a, an interesting take on it oh yeah when he brings her up there so Roy's giving a speech to the yeah. team he's like hey no one's going back to the hotel we're gonna go out on the town <laughs> he's like we're gonna rub it in these guys' <laughs> face which is so great and they're like, Sam's like, where are we going, Roy? And he's like, well, and he brings Keely up onto the bench. She starts giving her hotel speech. Just the writing, like super smart, yeah. like to to think to put her on the hotel channel and then have this moment where Roy gets to bring her up in front of the team where she gives her speech. I knew, by the way, like I hadn't seen this episode because I'm watching this series fresh. Sure. I hadn't seen it all. Um, when she mentioned karaoke, I'm like, this episode's going to end with karaoke. Oh, you like, did? I just okay. had that in my mind. Like, oh, that'd be fun if this whole team gets together for karaoke. And I felt like where we were with the team and their dynamic, that was going to happen. So I was super excited to see that at Zoo. She brings up karaoke. Quick cut. And Sam <laughs> is there at karaoke. Sam Obasanya is singing Wonderwall just by Oasis. It. Yep. <laughs> well, he's doing crushing a decent it. job. He's loving it. I assumed this was a callback to the testicles of the last manager <laughs> whose testicles were named after the uh, two brothers in Oasis. <laughs> I love the way you phrase that. It's a callback to the testicles. Callback to the testicles. You're welcome, children. That's our new band name. <laughs> <laughs> oh incredible work my friend 
um, Rebecca and Flo go out to have a smoke. This seems like something people did in the 90s. I don't know who smokes these days, but whatever. They vape. They vape. Rebecca apologizes to Flo for like not staying in contact. And she does this thing where she like, she blames Rupert. She's like yeah, she trying did. to put the mm -hmm. onus on Rupert. And Flo does something I think is important. Hugely. She like holds her accountable, which we talked about in another episode. I'm not going to define accountability. <laughs> no, but like, and I think it's a fair point because the other episodes, everybody else was holding themselves accountable. Like, right. was accountable and for his actions, all that kind of stuff. But she, in that episode, was not holding herself accountable. And now we have to have her friend come in and, and lay it on the table. Right. She, she <laughs> says something like, hey, Rupert built that ivory tower that you, like, he imprisoned you in. And she's like, but you walked every step up in yeah. order to, you know, occupy it. Well and said. So it's a very, very good point. Like it gets to Rebecca. She owns up to it. And I think the other thing that makes a big impact is Flo brings up that, hey, Nora, your goddaughter, like thought she did something wrong. Yeah. And that's why she hasn't seen you for six years, because you do get the sense that they're that they're close. And, mm -hmm. and so I think that has an effect. So nice moment there. We cut back. I think Keely comes out and she's like, hey, why'd you guys ditch yeah, me? She's so upset. Yeah. And she's like, oh, Rebecca, you're next on the list to sing. They go back inside and we have Beard singing oh, Bad Romance by, by Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga, who earned her title, I'm assuming, from the Queen of England. Um, uh, she's an official. She's been ladied, right? No, that's a dame. She's not Dame Gaga. Maybe eventually she'll become Dame Gaga. All right. Well, I don't know what the internet told me, but <laughs> Beard is doing an incredible job. Once That's a again. great song to choose, yes. too. And, like, the way the karaoke is for this, like, Bad Romance ends with, like, a crescendo of the music going out, and then it's just a Beard singing it. It's just so <laughs> that, good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I had a buddy that used to do danced poker face, and he did an incredible job. Do you want to do it for our I do YouTube not. Audience? I've got bad knees, Tom. <laughs> I think I explained this earlier. You got I drinker's got knees. Bad... <laughs> I got drinker's knees. Oh, man, that's going to be my license plate. Then, uh, oh, I don't know if you noticed this, but when the when the ladies come in from outside, uh, Rebecca removes her coat. Who jumps up to take her coat? Well, Sam, I did notice that. Yeah, Sam Obasanya. Yeah. So I do think something's <laughs> going on with Sam and Rebecca. It was he, a good callback because they did have that little scene in the, in in the, the last locker one. Room, or not the locker room, but in her office. Right. But yeah, I thought it was good. It was a good little touch. And so Rebecca, who did not put her name on the list, but her friend Sassy did, goes up and sings Let It Go from a little movie called Frozen. Oh, Are you familiar with this song in this? I am. I had nieces that listened to this song constantly, and I would just hear them sing it every day. Yes. My uh, daughter has a toy that will sing just the main line from it. Oh, if you just the, the main button. line. Even better. And it was one of those toys you got to remove the batteries and tell the kid <laughs> that it's broke because it gets played all the time. But the actress, Hannah Waddingham, does a great job oh, singing. Beautiful voice. Yeah, great voice. She crushes Sassy it. Was not kidding. Not one of those things where you watch it and you're like, oh, she's lip singing or they have to do something. She legitimately, it feels like, I mean, I'm not, I didn't research it, but she looked like she was crushing it. I feel like it's one of those things that people are always surprised when actors can sing. But mm -hmm. I think a lot of actors start by doing theater, Broadway, right. theater and plays like that, especially I would imagine a lot of British actresses and right. stuff. Um, so it is very, uh, 
very powerful to kind of see her come in and just saying this right. and like when she kind of does those first lines and like I, I, can't, I don't know if that song starts or whatever but once the team sees that she can sing like them all cheering and getting all into oh, it oh yeah like so Isaac's awesome. like leaned in they're yeah. all intently because it's a fun song that like starts a little bit slow mm. and, and then builds up to some great moments Roy is mouthing the words <laughs> I'm assuming great. it's because he spends so much time with his niece Phoebe that yeah. he knows all the words to Frozen it made me think about, have you ever gone to karaoke and someone like just crushed it? Like you were witnessing great uh, greatness. I've done a lot of karaoke's with my work groups that we've done because we I work with a company that has a lot of people scattered across the country. So sure, when we get together, in your podcast company. Yes. We're both in the podcast business. Exactly. Uh, but when we get together, we usually drink and have a lot of fun. And karaoke was one of the things we did in like downtown new york went into a basement run to a karaoke oh wow downtown new york yeah but when we did it i mean nobody there people had fine voices i don't think anybody had great voices nobody blew me away right it was just i love it when people do karaoke and have fun sure if you're going to a karaoke bar and expect the people to like just crush it like you're you're in the wrong place right people are just having a good time i think it's it's so much more fun i selfishly asked this question one time uh my spouse and i were in a karaoke bar in san diego and this girl went up and did like an adele song like what yeah and she like crushed it you know she's british who's british adele yeah no no no. i know okay she plays uh football (laughs) she's a big fan of afc richmond (laughs) nice uh no i i just i will never yeah being in a karaoke bar she like picked an adele song and you're like oh Okay, yeah, you're gonna try sure, this, sure. and then she, yeah, she yeah, crushed it. Right I don't re- know, remember which Adele song. But... I like to. Do you have a karaoke song that you like to sing? No, I would never sing in public. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not even like a group of like friends or like people you feel more. No, nope, I won't with? even sing in church, Tom. Wow, mine's Run Around Sue. What's Run Around Sue? Uh, it's by uh, the Dion's. Uh, I'd sing it, but I'm gonna. Song at all. It's like an old, like maybe '60s, '70s kind of doo-wop kind of song. It's a fun song. Okay, I just sing the national anthem. (laughs) (laughs) Pledge allegiance. (laughs) All right, and then, I mean, it brings it down a little bit, but obviously it's integral to the to the episode. But you see Ted start to kind of like have a panic attack. He's doing this thing with his hands, Mm -hmm. and they do some cool like cinema camera work stuff with yeah, this the cinematography is is really interesting in this for me because I, I see like i feel like i noticed these kind of things um but like the way they have the camera shot for ted all the shots with him in the karaoke room it's below him and it's kind of showing him uh or showing all the people behind him sure it's seemingly kind of showing the weight of the world on his shoulders kind of a thing because okay. he's dealing with so much um and when it kind of then pans down to his hands and you kind of see him kind of twiddling around with his fingers right. like he's having that panic attack but it just frames it very well that you you know Ted is dealing with stuff in this scene, but the camera angles just kind of give you that more. I think it just kind of emotionally resonates a little bit more because you don't see those camera shots anywhere else. When right. he's leaving the the room and the lights are kind of going out in the bar, all this kind of stuff. It's almost one of those like shaky cams when you got sure. like, attached to you. Um, I, I really dig that kind of stuff because I think it kind of takes you out and lets you kind of see and more emotionally resonate with the sequences right just through the camera work yeah Mm -hmm. no you're exactly right because the way they shoot everyone else it's like straight on or from above but him it's like no that's a a a great point so Mm -hmm. ted like escapes out of there he's clearly going through something uh he's outside and then 
who finds him but Rebecca. Yeah. She comforts him. And this is kind of, I mean, almost a mirror scene of when she left the gala mm -hmm. and she's, you know, asking him what's wrong, telling him it's all right, like trying to just get him to calm down which he does eventually. And then he, you know, he decides, Hey, I'm just going to go back to the hotel. And you can see like, there's a moment here where he is walking off and she's watching him. Mm -hmm. And like, she clearly sees him as like human and vulnerable. And even though they got a win, like there's clearly something going on with him yeah. that is not tied to the team. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you well, know, a I nice like, moment between them. Yeah. And this might be one of the first times we saw the real Rebecca. Like, right. You see her actually seemingly show some compassion for Ted. Um, right. She's been just trying to, you know, do her diabolical plan of, of destroying this team and destroying sure. Ted and everybody else. But yeah, I think we, we see her, her true color start to kind of, kind of shine. Right. So then Ted is back at the hotel, decides to sign the dissolution of marriage <laughs> paperwork. Yeah. Some cool stuff happens here that I didn't pick up, but you did. Yeah. So he kind of goes to reach for the pen. And when he reaches for the pen, you know, the little soldier is, is down. So, and that was the, the little toy soldier that his son gave him kind of back sure. when. So I think he's picking up the soldier and kind of just, it's a little metaphor to, for him just picking himself back up and, and realizing this is, this is not what he wants, but this is a step that he's got to take. And it's kind of the, the finalization or finality of this relationship. Sure. So signing it over and picking that soldier back up, I thought was pretty cool. Sure. No, that that's a good point. I did not catch that. I'm glad you did. Then the team is leaving the bar. Um, I don't know if you notice it, but Isaac and Colin, uh, the bullies of Nate, are <laughs> yeah. actually carrying him out on their shoulders. Yeah, so you see know. like a bonding moment with them, which is really cool. Like them going from picking on him to now respecting him. And like they're even during like um, some of the bar scenes, karaoke scenes, you see them interacting and like having Doing a good shots, time. Yeah. yeah. Then conversations are happening outside of karaoke. Rebecca's going back to the hotel. Flo is going out with the young men to go have fun. I'm assuming they're, I don't know, going to read or sing hymns. And then Keely goes off with Roy, mm -hmm. which leads to them back at the hotel. And they are kissing in the hotel door. The music is playing and Roy <laughs> abruptly leaves. It's like, oh, good night. Yeah. I don't think anyone does abruptly leaving better than Roy Kent. Like, there's several parts in this show where Roy has been like, all right, good night then. And then he, like, takes off. Cheers. And he just does it. Yeah, cheers. And he takes off. He does such a great job. It's so funny. It's so well done. She's, like, clearly, like, what just happened? Like, why did he leave? I feel like from previous relationships, they've been probably more shallow and stuff. Because she said right. she dated a lot of younger men that likely on their you know, first date-ish, if you will, would want to be able to you know, go into the room. But sure. he's probably more of a gentleman, older soul. He's just going to kiss her on the first date and, and go back to his hotel room. Sure. And then we're back but at... I, I do want to mention before you, sorry. Yeah, sorry, before you move on, I do want to mention this is them, Roy and Keeley, getting their real first walk. They took a walk on the uh, treadmill. It was kind of their first kind of walk and talk mm. kind of thing. And now they leave the bar and they actually kind of get to go for a little stroll. Back to okay. Okay. I appreciate Roy wears a black dress shirt. Not many people can pull off a black dress shirt, but Roy Kent can pull they off can. a black dress shirt. Yeah. I only wear them at funerals. You have to with all that chest hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe he was shirtless and I just didn't notice. <laughs> yeah. Good point. He's a sweater. <laughs> Uh, Rebecca is back at the hotel restaurant. She is waiting on the handsome waiter who we saw before. Uh, good for her. 
Ted sends Rebecca a thank you text that just says, hey, you know, it's been an adventure. Thank you for being so kind, mm -hmm. which is uh, a nice gesture because she has not really been kind uh, up until this moment. Um, well, then somebody knocks on Ted's door. And I want to kind of say, I feel like the way they framed this scene with the waiter. So when Rebecca was down in the in the bar okay. and the waiter's kind of coming by, they kind of shoot it where you can see the waiter leave the foreground, go into the background, but you they they still have Rebecca on camera for sure. like the uh, like a mirror, like a mirror sure. image of Rebecca. They didn't necessarily show the waiter guy kind of come in and like them start talking and the way kind of Rebecca kind of saw that text and the way they kind of were, you know, being friendly and stuff to each other earlier, when that knock on that door happened, I almost kind of thought that was going to be Rebecca. Like I, I don't, I never really thought about their relationship being romantic or anything sure. like that. But obviously they were doing karaoke, they were drinking and all that kind of stuff. Uh, when Flo shows up at the door, who we you know we see kind of come into the room, I really had like a, a second where I was like, that's gonna be Rebecca coming in because the guy at the bar didn't end up reciprocating and she kind of went home huh. and she okay. went to Ted. Interesting. But just something I thought about when I first saw the. I don't remember having that impression. It's interesting that you feel someone going to someone else's hotel room late at night means a romantic <laughs> thing. That's not necessarily. I'm assuming Ted and Flo are, I don't know, just getting to know each other and talking about things. Yeah. Actually, if I could be serious for a second, I didn't like this. No, like, I didn't either. I didn't feel like, like, Flo shows up at the door, Ted lets her in. Like, they cut from there, so we don't know what's happened. I mean, I do, because I've seen the rest of the episode. But, like, Ted has gone through such turmoil to, like, sign divorce paperwork that night. from his wife, who he's still very much in love with. Mm -hmm. And then to have a random woman show up at the door and to let her in, I didn't buy. Like, I didn't. And well, I'm, I'm old-fashioned in certain ways, mainly with my root beer. And your whiskey. And my whiskey. <laughs> But I just didn't think this was necessary. No, I didn't either. And the way the way this plays out, like it, it doesn't have like a moment where the door opens, she kind of says something, they banter, and then Ted invites her in. She just the door opens and she just barrels on in there, which I thought was kind of weird. Mm. And I think from Ted's perspective, like he's not going to be rude and just say, no, I don't want you to come in. Like, right. It kind of closes the door. We don't know if they had relations or if they maybe just talked through maybe the whole night. Maybe she's robbing him. Yeah, maybe that's not going to happen. Yes, and? <laughs> yeah, cool. But I, I do, I, I'm with you, man. I didn't like the way that kind of ended because I thought it was just such a raw scene for Ted. I like I liked the budding of that relationship, how they kind of flirted earlier. Sure. And maybe that can pull into something, but... Yeah, I don't, I don't like the way that ended, and that literally ended the episode, did it not? Yes, I mean, that that's cuts. that's how it ended, and yeah. I just don't think, like, from what we've seen of Ted, like Ted has been married from college, it sounds like, because mm -hmm. they met at school in a parking lot. Yep. To have this happened didn't seem in character with who Ted is. Yeah, and it didn't feel like, like Ted is not the type of guy that's like going to do something like haphazardly or just like to slap a band-aid on something to spend the night with someone so he's not lonely like that's not who yeah who's ted is so i didn't really understand this we'll get into it more next episode i know you haven't seen beyond this but we can talk about it a bit more then the thing i did 
want to talk about was the music that plays kind mm-hmm. of through this end scene. We just call um, this like the full house moment where they play like the really kind of like, like really, and they do a great job of song and choosing songs, but they kind of play like a slower, really well done song. Tom, this is our podcast. We can call it whatever we want. If you want to call it the full house, uh, actually a lawyer just texted me. We can't call <laughs> okay. anything the full house, anything. No, no, no. Um, the song, I thought it, for some reason, I thought it was by Adele, but I'm an idiot. <laughs> it's by an artist named Celeste. The strong, the song is called strange and it's kind of a very, I mean, it fits with what's happening. Yeah. Well, um, li- lyrically too. Cause I think they, they do a fantastic. I did not look up the lyrics. Though. Yeah. Well, I, I was literally just during the scene. So when, uh, Keely and Roy are kind of walking back to the hotel room and then they have that kiss. It's really talking about how people can change from strangers to friends and then friends into lovers and then and strangers again. So it's just kind of like mm. all the different dynamics going on. Like uh, Keely and Roy were, you know, essentially friends or, or strangers. And then they yeah, had the relationship with uh, Keely and, and Jamie. And now they kind of became, you know, maybe a little bit more. And then now Ted having, you know, now kind of becoming strangers with his wife. Uh, they even make a there's literally a part in the song where it says back to this room and it's while jamie or sorry not jamie while roy and keely are walking up to the door mm. it literally says back in this room Just okay beautifully timed beautifully right timed. And like we mentioned before music plays such a key role in this show especially in these last couple of sequences it's a <laughs> always act. in the yeah, yeah always in that last yeah, scene third act, yep. they do a great job so i loved this episode from the perspective of watching nate and the actor nick muhammad like do that role like mm-hmm. that was fun the pep talk that he does so i i really enjoyed that Obviously, I have some questions about Ted and Flo, mm-hmm. uh, but that'll that'll happen. But no, I, I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. And you clearly see Ted going through some stuff. So interested to see how that affects the next episode. Yeah, it was a good episode. I think definitely one of the strongest ones, in my opinion, with just the stuff. And I mean, if you're going to feature Nate a bunch in the episode, it's going to be considered a strong episode. Sure, sure. Until we get to that Higgins episode, my man Higgins, who I love with his physical comedy. (laughs) All right. Well, we have taken enough time. That was episode seven. Next week, we will talk about numerically episode eight, which is called Uh, Build Back Lasso Better. Build back lasso better. I would vote for that. I was trying to do that. That's that's the Biden campaign slogan. Build you back don't better. have to explain <laughs> jokes on this podcast. I understand them. It's not a very well-known slogan like the Make America Great Again. No, 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 no. It's better because everyone <laughs> voted for him. All right. We appreciate you joining us. We'll see you next week for episode eight. I am Julian. And I'm Tom. Thanks again, everyone. And we are Team Binge signing out. Before we sign out, uh, tweet at us at at Team Binge slash Gmail and send us questions at, at uh, TeamBingePodcast.com. You can send me a text message at 435 